empty tomb. We're singing with joy. Yeah, Mary just heard the Lord's voice. Good news for the girls and the boys. Angels be singing, let's all go rejoice. Big stone don't rolled out. Jesus don't walked out. Came back to life, he's alive now. Listen, we're close, you gon' find out. Now we must go to the streets. Tell everybody we meet. Run, hurry, fast, move the feet. He's risen, come see. Empty tone. Hey, everybody, come on. Tell everybody we got to make disciples. Let's get the world excited. The Lord is right beside us. His word, our life to guide us. Let's share His love and kindness. Right now, we're getting rowdy, yeah. Now we must go to the streets, tell everybody we meet, run, hurry, fast, move the feet, he's risen, come see. Worry can't stop us, cause Jesus loves us. Fear can't control us, cause Jesus loves us. Hate can't divide us, cause Jesus loves us. Death can't defeat us, cause Jesus loves us. Now we must go to the streets, tell everybody we meet. Run, hurry, fast, move the feet. He's risen, come see. That's pretty fun. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Hope. My name is Scott Reigns. I'm one of the pastors here. As you have seen and heard, we've had just a fantastic two-week run of Vacation Bible School here. Uh, the theme was Hope Ranch, and I have to admit, I think my costume game just wasn't up to snuff. I mean, we had volunteers who had better cowboy outfits and cowgirl outfits than I had. It was fantastic. I think uh, over 1,200 kids here at Hope Ankeny, over 500 volunteers, and we could not do Vacation Bible School the way we do it at Hope without all of you. So turn to somebody close to you and just tell them, ain't no party like a Jesus party. You can do it. Ain't no party like a Jesus party. So as we get started, I want to uh, read three verses together from Psalm 84. We'll put the text up on the screen so we can read it out loud, but also I want you to pay attention to the image behind the text as we read these together. Read it with me. How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord of heaven's armies. I long, yes, I faint with longing to enter the courts of the Lord. With my whole being, body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. And then the final verse, a single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. That's how Psalm 84 begins. And I don't know about you, sort of the first time reading through that at first glance, it seems a little hyperbolic, doesn't it? I mean, I've never received an email from anyone saying, I've been fainting thinking about, you know, getting to church. Uh, one day at church is better than a thousand anywhere else. I mean, do you believe that? Uh, let me read to you an email we received from a mom. We had three sessions of Bible school over the last uh, two weeks. At the end of the first session, we got this email. Just wanted to send a quick note of thanks to everyone involved with this week. 
My six-year-old was in tears as we left because she was so sad it was over. Don't be sad that it's over. Be glad that it happened. Anyway, uh, you made a difference creating a week of fun, memories, and interest in Jesus. Thank you. Uh, This week, on Monday, one of our staff members had a friend, and the friend brought her three-year-old son to the evening session of uh, Bible school. Three-year-olds, that's your first year at Bible school. And so, as you can imagine, he was a little overwhelmed by everything that there's a lot going on at vacation bible school and the mom was like is he going to be okay and we assured her he'd be just fine so she the mom called our staff member after that first session and said my son absolutely loved it he was asking me where can we get a hold of all of those jesus songs i want to just listen to them over and over she said what was your favorite part of the night and this three-year-old boy said learning about my friend jesus i know how great is that There are countless stories like this. Uh, Over 1,000 kids here in Ankeny, over 8,000 kids across all of Hope's campuses captured by God's love over these last two weeks. This, This is a glimpse of how it's supposed to work in the kingdom of God. When we are doing what we can do and we're trusting God to do what only God can do, incredible things happen. Things that you do not see anywhere else. Things that make an eternal impact. How lovely is the dwelling place of the Lord. Better is one day here than a thousand anywhere else. Now, of course, the writer of Psalm 84 was not talking about vacation Bible school. I was not talking about a Christian church. The writer of Psalm 84 was talking about the temple in Jerusalem, But I think it would be fair to kind of expand that in a a broader sense. Psalm 84 is about worship. What's your attitude toward worship? And that's the question I want to start off the message with today. When you think about worship, uh, what do you think? What, What do you feel about worship these days? And as you're thinking about how you might answer that question, let's dig into our Bible reading from 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'll provide a little uh, context to what you heard read. So in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David has become the king. Remember David, the shepherd boy who uh, slays the uh, giant Goliath? By the time we get to chapter 6 in 2 Samuel, he's the king, but David has not been king for very long. And one of the things that happened before David became the king is the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant. Uh, some of you are old enough, you remember the movie Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Ark of the Covenant, but it's, it's a uh, historical religious relic. And the Ark is something they carried with them through the Exodus as they entered the Promised Land. Inside the Ark, they kept the two stone tablets of the Ten Commandments that Moses got up on top of Mount Sinai. Inside the ark, they kept uh, the staff of Aaron. Remember, Aaron, Moses' brother, was performing miracles with his staff in front of Pharaoh, and so they put that in the Ark of the Covenant to sort of represent uh, the priesthood. Aaron becomes the first high priest of the nation of Israel. And also inside the Ark of the Covenant, they had some manna, uh, the bread of life, the bread from heaven that came down that fed them in, in the wilderness. They put some of that in the Ark of the Covenant too. The Philistines capture the Ark of the Covenant, So one of the first things that David does when he becomes king, he wants to rescue the Ark of the Covenant. And that's what happens in chapter 5. In chapter 6, they're bringing that Ark to to Jerusalem. And the way the writer of Psalm, uh, uh, of uh, 2 Samuel 6 kind of describes it, describes it as this worshipful kind of procession. 
Verse 12, it's with great celebration that they're bringing the ark to uh, Jerusalem. David danced before the Lord with all his might in verse 14. Verse 15, not just David, but everybody with shouts of joy and with the blowing of the ram's horn. It's this parade, this procession to Jerusalem uh, to put the Ark of the Covenant there. And, and part of what I want you to understand, it seems kind of like a duh, no-brainer, but I really want you to remember this idea, this concept. Everything that's happening in 2 Samuel chapter 6 is happening in response to what happened in chapter 5. Everything in chapter 6 is a response to what happened in chapter 5. What happened in chapter 5 is kind of summarized in verse 20. David went to Baal-perazim and defeated the Philistines there. The Lord did it, David exclaimed. He burst through my enemies like a raging flood. Can we read together out loud the, the part right in the middle that's highlighted in yellow? Read it with me. The Lord did it. One more time. The Lord did it. I think it's kind of interesting. Somebody was yelling that out back there. Really good job. Uh, first, the writer tells us David does it. David defeated the Philistines. And then the writer tells us, uh, David says, no, the Lord did it. David's got a lot of power. He's uh, the king. He is a military commander. He's a, a general. He has a lot of earthly power. He's a very powerful guy. And at the same time, David is humble enough to recognize there are some things in his life, his power pales in comparison to the power of God. And there are some things in his life over which David has no control, some things in David's life, circumstances in his life, and he is powerless as he faces these things. So David looks at the circumstances of 2 Samuel chapter 5 and comes to the conclusion, the Lord did it. Uh, we say something similar here at Hope. We, same idea, just different words. We say it's a God thing. Let's all say that together. It's a God thing. So um, last week in his message, Pastor Mike was talking a little bit about the story of how he ended up at Hope. Made me think a little bit about the story of how I ended up at Hope. Uh, I grew up about an hour north of here on, on a farm, and the church that we went to when I was growing up was a Quaker church. So when I felt the call to ministry, I thought God must be calling me to become a Quaker pastor. And so my wife, Wendy, and I, we moved out to Portland, Oregon. I went to a Quaker seminary in Portland. And my Quaker seminary advisor, Dr. Mary Kate Morse, was helping start a Lutheran church in the suburbs of Portland. So the whole time I'm going to a Quaker seminary, I'm working at a Lutheran church. Graduated from seminary, moved to eastern Iowa, and I was pastoring a Quaker church there. And um, how is it possible for a... Quaker preacher of a small church on a good Sunday morning, we had about 40 people show up. How's it possible for a Quaker preacher to end up at Lutheran Church of Hope? It's a God thing. If you come to Alpha, I'll give you more details to that story, but it, it's a God thing. And, and part of the reason I'm sharing that story, I hope you are thinking about the things in your life, the circumstances, the relationships, different things that have happened in your life, that when you think about how did that happen? How did that come about? How did this relationship come about? Basically, your answer is to shrug your shoulders and say, I'm not really sure. It's a God thing. We all have these kinds of stories in our life. It's a God thing. This church is filled with these kinds of almost miraculous God thing kinds of, of moments. How, how does a couple who is struggling with infertility end up becoming parents of biological or adoptive kids? 
It's a God thing. Uh, How does a man in our congregation who is in need of a kidney transplant come forward for prayer at the end of a worship service and the person praying for him ends up donating her kidney so he can become healthy? That really happened in this church. It's a God thing. How do uh, husbands and wives on the brink of uh, marriage ending discover healing and healthier ways of relating and the marriage gets saved? It's a God thing. How do people battling addictions start walking the path to recovery? It's a God thing. And on and on and on I could go. I hope you understand that when we start talking about God things, they don't have to be uh, supernatural, miraculous acts of God. A, A God thing is as simple as recognizing the goodness and faithfulness of God in our lives, that God is constantly pouring his grace into our lives. It could be something as simple as the laughter of a child. Uh, It could be watching a sunrise or a sunset, something you've seen hundreds of times, but this particular time, something inside you, it's like God did that. could be just going on a trip with your family in the summer. could be hanging out with your spouse and your kids in a room in your house and just laughing. We have a room in our house. We've never really figured out what to do with it. Uh, What's the purpose of this room? It's kind of an awkward room, and so we've never really uh, put it to good use or decorated. It just kind of captures all the clutter in our house is what ends up happening. And so uh, earlier this summer, we put new carpet in the basement, and Wendy said, let's just take that carpet from the basement and put it in this awkward room that we don't know what to do with. So on Tuesday of this week, we decided to do that uh, between sessions of of VBS. That Tuesday afternoon, we're on the floor unrolling carpet and cutting it and trying to patch it in uh, to this awkward room we don't know what to do with. And we got done, and we thought, "That, that looks pretty good. Then it was time for the evening session of VBS, and three of our kids are helping volunteering at uh, VBS uh, this year. We got home from Bible school, got some snacks, went and sat in that room to admire our carpet job. And the kids came in, and admiration was not their tone. Uh, Sarcasm was thick when they looked at the carpet, and they looked at Wendy and me, and they said, maybe you guys missed your calling. You should have been professional carpet installers. I mean, this floor looks fantastic. Did you think about maybe carpeting the walls and the ceilings too? And for like the next hour, we just sat in there together, just enjoying being together, enjoying the relationship. It's a God thing. The carpet job was far from perfect, and our family is far from perfect. Our life is far from perfect. I'm guessing you would say something similar about your life. But life can be really good, can't it? I want us to read this verse together, James chapter 1, verse 17. It's on the screen. Read it out loud with me. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father. I don't reference the book of James very often in, in my sermons, so when I do, I always like to remind everybody, James is the brother of Jesus. Let, let me say that again. James is the brother of Jesus. Any of you have brothers? I have two brothers. Raise your hand if you have a brother. Ah, I see that hand. A lot of us have brothers. What, what would it take to convince you your brother is God? <laughs> the 8 o'clock service, I said that, and they just sat there like... Eh. Still asleep, I think. We had to come out and sing the song again, Come Awaken Your People, so I'm glad you're with me. It's hilarious, right? None of us would think our brother is the Messiah, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, but James does. He grows up in the same house as Jesus, watches everything about Jesus' life, 
when he begins his public ministry, Jesus' three years of public ministry, James is absolutely convinced. And he devotes the rest of his life after the resurrection to proclaiming the good news that my brother is the son of God. And you need to believe in him. So when James says something, I think we should maybe pay attention to it. James says every good thing in our life is a gift from God. Every good thing in our life is a reminder that God loves us. Every good thing in our life is a reminder God is constantly wanting good things for us, the best things for us. And the more we can sort of make this the foundational reality of our lives and live our lives out of this truth, every good thing is a gift to me from God. It helps us grow as worshipers. My favorite definition of worship comes from a woman named Evelyn Underhill. She says, worship is the response of the creature to the creator. Can we say this out loud together? Worship is the response of the creature to the creator. So God's the creator and we are creatures. Uh, turn to somebody close to you and just tell them, you're quite the creature. <laughs> worship is what we do because of what God has already done. Worship is what we do because of what God has already done. And as we live our lives out of that kind of a, a mindset, that kind of a reality, I'm living my life in response to what God has done. I'm worshiping in response to that. I'm worshiping in response to what God is doing in the moment. I'm worshiping uh, in response to what I believe God is going to do because God's done it before. Surely God will continue to do it. The more we live our life as a response to God. Understanding everything begins with God, and then everything that I have flows out of that. It leads to another saying that we have here at Hope. It's a get to, not a got to. Let's say that together. It's a get to, not a got to. I mentioned 517 volunteers the last two weeks for Vacation Bible School, and all of them have great stories why they volunteer, but a couple of them I wanted to share with you. We have a family in this church for, I think, pretty close to a decade. They've been uh, bringing their grandkids to Vacation Bible School, so when uh, the grandkids were uh, younger, they, of course, participated in Vacation Bible Schooler, uh, and then the older they got, now they are uh, volunteering in Vacation Bible School. This family, they make their summer plans around Vacation Bible School. The grandkids come in from out of state to spend a week with Grandpa and Grandma, and part of what they do that week is they come and they serve at Vacation Bible It just absolutely blows me away. This is what happens when our life becomes a get-to, not a got-to, in response to the good things God's doing in our life. There's another family been around Hope Ankeny forever and ever, and uh, I was on social media earlier this week, and I saw this family uh, was on their family vacation to Hawaii, because the Lord is good to them. And um, <laughs> I, come, I come to Vacation Bible School later that day, and I see the family here to volunteer. I was like, I thought you were in Hawaii. Yeah, we just landed. We got done with our family trip to Hawaii. We landed, and the kids wanted to be sure we got here so we could help with vacation Bible school. When it's a get-to, not a got-to, there's this joyful reality about everything that, that we do that, uh, yes, it's exhausting, and yes, it's just, you know, loud, and it's awesome, and I wouldn't want anything else. I mean, two weeks is enough. I don't think we need to do three, but it's an incredible, incredible two-week stretch. And I wonder if maybe this is what the writer of Psalm 84 is getting at in verse 2. Let me, let me read verse 2 for you again. With my whole being, 
Body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. There's a lot of joyful shouting uh, during vacation Bible school. And the kids, like the first week, uh, first day, Monday, they show up and, you know, we wait a little bit because we got people registering and that sort of thing. And so we're playing some of the old songs from uh, previous years. And the kids are dancing and singing along. They remember songs from three or four years ago. And they pick up the new songs, Faster Than a Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. And by the end of the week, on Friday, you can feel the floor shaking in the worship center when they're jumping up and down and singing with their whole being, body and soul. I mean, the VBS kids give us a real good picture of what, what's that about. They're not perfect at it. They don't do it completely, but they're pointing out the way for us. But even that energy, that worship energy they have, that's not my favorite part of Vacation Bible School. Now, my favorite part of the week is what you just watched. That last song that the kids sing. They sit down, uh, we teach them the sign language to the lyrics of that song, and then they just sweetly sing this prayer. Lord, may I never forget how much you love me. Lord, may I never forget how much you love me. I don't know what it looks like for you to grow as a worshiper. I don't know what it looks like for you to, uh, to move to a place where worship is a whole being, body and soul experience for you. But I know we all have, we all have growth in front of us when it comes to uh, being worshipers, being people who respond to the good things that God is doing in our life. Again, I don't know about you. Sometimes I find myself getting into a bit of a worship rut. That ever happened to you? Where you kind of just need to be shaken out of this rut, where you're just kind of going through the motions, and you know worship is what you got to do at the weekends, and so you show up, but your heart's not really in it. You're just like wanting to check the worship box this week. Every once in a while, we need to be shaken out of the rut. And, and when we get into that rut, there's several things that are going on. We're all wired differently, right? And so I think some of us, there are certain parts of the worship service we like and other parts of the worship service we loathe. <laughs> um, maybe I'm the only one. So some people, the way they're wired, uh, they, they equate worship with the music element of what happens when we gather together. I mean, it makes sense. We have people on staff whose title is worship leader. What do the worship leaders do? They don't teach Sunday school. They sing songs. They play musical instruments. And so I, I think there's a tendency for us sometimes to think, Worship is only the music element of what happens when we gather together. There are people in this church who would love it if I announced, you know, one weekend a month there's not going to be a sermon. We're just going to sing 12 songs when we gather together, and that's going to be worship that day. There are a lot of people who would love that. And there are a lot of people who are wired exactly the opposite, who are like, the, the sermon is the high point, the centerpiece, the main event, uh, the sermon, the proclamation of God's word. That's the most important thing that happens when we gather for worship. And of course, those people are right. <laughs> oh, good. It's not, again, eight o'clock service. Uh, thank you for being, we need everything. We need everything. So, but if you really like the message more than the music, sometimes you're like, eh, if we're five or 10 minutes late and we miss a song or three, no big deal. And if the preacher goes long and we have to sneak out during the closing song, that's what the closing song is for, so I can sneak out without people seeing me. Uh, so just to be clear, just to be clear, uh, closing song's not the right name for the song that we sing at the end of a worship service. Response song is the right term for that. 
Uh, we've sung some songs, we've prayed, we've read scripture, we've uh, listened to the proclamation of the good news of God's love for us through Jesus Christ, and then we want to give you an opportunity to respond in the moment to what God is up to, to what God is doing, to what God has done. And that's why we have a response song at the end of the service, and then of course you leave this building and the rest of your life you live in response to what God is doing. It's important for us to uh, remember, we get into these ruts where we're like, I liked that part of the worship service. I didn't like that part of the worship service. When we're starting to critique like that, often what has happened is we've forgotten the mission and vision. So let's remind ourselves uh, of the mission and the vision of this church. We've got the mission on the screen. Read this out loud with me. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ one more time. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. She gets it. Look at it, man. She is ready. To, I'm on a mission from God, isn't she? And the, what, what if we were all like that? The, the mission is what we do. The vision is who we are and, and how do we do it, how we carry out this mission. So it's a little bit longer, but let's read this out loud together. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. This is ho- who we hope God is helping us become as a congregation. One more time. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. Part of what happens when we remind ourselves of the mission and vision, we are reminded that the good things that God does in our lives, it's not just for me. It's not just so I can say the Lord is good to me. But God does good things in our lives so that we can share these good things with the people around us, so we can reach out, so we can bring Christ uh, to all cultures. Uh, The gravitational pull of every church is to turn inward and to make it all about me and what I like and what I want rather than to think about what does the world need? How do we get this message to the people who do not know it? And so this is why worship is so central to who we are. If worship is the response of the creature to the creator, then worship, it actually drives everything we do, not just what happens here on the weekends, but worship is the reason why we have three sessions of Vacation Bible School over the course of uh, two weeks every summer. Worship is the reason why we have uh, mission opportunities, uh, service opportunities in this church, like the cupboard on Tuesdays where we make sure uh, people have food to eat. That's why Eli is going on a mission trip next month, taking a group of hopesters to El Salvador, and I'm going in uh, November to South Africa. That's why we have local mission partners that we support with our offering dollars and our volunteer time. Worship is what's behind all of that. Worship is behind Power Life and Ignition, our ministry to middle school and high school students on, on Wednesday nights throughout the school year. It's why Christy does Hope Kids. Pretty much every weekend in every uh, worship service, we offer Hope Kids, and worship is what drives that. It's our response to what God is doing. That's why we've had staff all summer long as they've been getting ready for Vacation Bible School. They're also making plans for the fall, for the program year. And what are we going to offer? Classes and groups and uh, different events and activities that you can be uh, involved in. You're going to be seeing a lot more about that in the weeks to come. The fall catalog is going to come out and all of those opportunities are going to be on the the website as well. Uh, One opportunity that we're going to try, we haven't done it before, we're going to try something new called Pastor Scott and Friends. And so on Wednesday nights from 6.30 to 7.30 right here in the worship center, 
Once a month, I'm going to be interviewing different people from our congregation. They're not in ministry, at least not in the classic sense, but they're living their lives in a worshipful response to what God has done. And and we're going to talk about how does that impact uh, who they are when they're at school, uh, how their family operates, uh, how does it impact the, the business that they are a part of? I, we've got some really cool and interesting stories in this church. I think you'll uh, enjoy hearing about that, and you'll be inspired by some of that. So more information on that coming out in the weeks to come. Uh, one of the things that's going to be happening this fall, since we're talking about worship, I wanted to let you know about some changes that are going to be happening in worship. So uh, coming up, Rally Weekend, which is also known as the weekend of the Iowa-Iowa State game around here, but whatever. Um, September 10th and 11th. We're going to uh, make some changes to times and locations for worship services here at Hope Ankeny. We got six or seven weeks until then, so we'll blast you with all this information so you don't forget and show up at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or if you do, we'll just point you to the right place. It'll be great. So starting that weekend, Saturday nights at 5 o'clock right here in the worship center. Then Sunday morning is really when the changes happen. 8 o'clock is going to happen over in the reservoir. 9.15, what service are we at right now? 9.30. That's going to change. 9.15 starting September 11th right here in the worship center. 10 o'clock in the reservoir and then 11 o'clock back here in the worship center. So we'll keep you informed about all these changes over the course of the next month, month and a half. But just wanted to let you know. And I wanted to talk to you about why. Why are we, why are we adding a, a worship service? Well, it's motivated by our mission and vision. Uh, there there are people all around us in this community, the neighborhood where you live, uh, the office where you work, the school that, that you work or attend. There are people all around us who have no idea about faith in God. One of the things we're seeing in the aftermath of the pandemic, there are a lot of people walking through the doors of this building who have never stepped foot in a church before in their life. It's really surprising to us. They have no church background at all. And we say, well, what brought you here? Nobody invited them. The circumstances of the last couple of years have just caused something to stir inside them, and they're like, maybe I need to explore this faith thing. Maybe I need to explore this God thing. And so they come, and they have great questions about the God that you and I worship, sometimes too nonchalantly. What if, what if, part of what's fascinating to me, they come and no one has invited them. What if we started carrying out our mission and vision? What if we really started inviting? So, we're going to do our mission and vision again right now. I'm not going to put the cheat code on the screen. If you don't get it right, no big deal. But it's just a reminder to us, we, everything we do, it's coming out the mission and vision that God has given us. So, we're going to say the mission together. Are you ready? Here we go. Say it with me. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. One more time. Reach out to the world around us and share the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. And the vision, <laughs> grace to you, grace to you, grace. I, I had to look at it several times. But powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. I say it with me this time. Powered by the Spirit to bring Christ to all cultures, revive the world with God's love, and make heaven more crowded. That's why we're doing it. That's why we do everything that we do around here. At Vacation Bible School, every day we give an invitation to the kids. If you're having a good time at Hope Ranch, 
we want you to invite your friends to come back with you tomorrow. So I want to give you the same challenge. If God is doing good things in your life through the ministry of this church, why in the world would you not want to share that with the people around you? If God's doing good things in your life, invite people to come so that they can experience some good things in their life too. People, I don't fully understand how this works. God can speak through a YouTube video. But there's something mysterious and good that happens when we gather together on the weekends. The Spirit of God is alive and active everywhere, and there's something good and special that the Spirit does when we gather together for worship on the weekends. So invite, and let's see what God does. Would you stand with me? Let's pray together before we respond in song. Lord, thank you for your goodness and faithfulness, for your love that never ceases. It's just always pouring out. Help us know that. Help us not forget it. Help us live our lives in response to all the good things that you do for us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.